Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Weeks World, and today we'll be chatting with Chris Sarah. Originally from the UK, Chris is the founder of Remote Base, a newsletter for remote workers and digital nomads sharing deals and discounts on accommodation. In this episode, we talk about Chris's tips for finding accommodation and how Remote Base provides ease in the process, as well as Chris's destinations and predictions for the coming year. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. Let's dive straight in. Tell us about yourself and your remote life journey so far. Of course. So... You've just introduced me. My name is Chris. Hello. In a nutshell, well, yeah, in a nutshell, I've been working remotely since 2017. I've been using all of that time to to travel and have like worked. I've, I think I've worked from about five continents. So they're like, all, basically, I haven't been to the North Pole or the South Pole with my laptop. My laptop has been everywhere apart from those two places. And to kind of fill in some some more gaps on that, traveling was always always kind of important to me, but never really something that I felt I did enough of. Um, I hadn't traveled a lot as a child. I went off and traveled as much as I could, as soon as I could, which was kind of after I graduated. And it kind of felt like a bit, it felt like this rite of passage thing where it was like, okay, I need to do all of the traveling and then I can do the next thing, which is a job and you know life. What actually happened was, yeah, I did that and it's just still not enough. And I think anybody who's listening probably thinking, yeah, you know, I feel the same way, right? It's just, it's never enough. There's always more to do. There's always the next place to go to and the next adventure to to go on. Yeah, it kind of leaves you with this unscratched itch. And that was the way that it was for me all the way up until like 2016. And that's when I got my first remote friendly job. And I, I say remote friendly because I don't think it was quite like remote first or fully remote. It was just kind of an option. It was remote friendly. And that was how it all kind of started, I think. By the time 2017 came around, I'd, I'd experimented a bit more and, and was moving more to fully remote. And then by 2018, I was away. I was on the road and I just haven't looked back since. So at the same time, or at that time, that was with a company. So I was working for a full-time employee. But now, now I have my own business. So that was another transition that happened over those kind of five nearly six years, moving out of full-time employment and working for somebody else to now working for myself. Nice. Yeah. So tell us about remote base. And also, if you don't mind me asking, like, what was the job that you did that was more remote friendly, as you said? Let's start with that one first and then we'll sure. remote base. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, a, this is an interesting question because I often find that like this, isn't, this is the least likely kind of industry or job that would be like remote friendly. I was working in financial services in London, which is like quite, quite notoriously like a buttoned up industry where like flexibility and and this kind of thing and not really on the cards, but the company I worked for was fantastic. They were, it was a smaller kind of boutique firm and they were really progressive with their culture. Their organizational culture was such that, yeah, just very flexible, progressive, very supportive and like wanted, wanted people to do well. Do you know what? It was kind of like the reverse of the reverse of how most how I feel most companies in that space operate, where like they have this idea that like people are inherently good. And if we treat them well, then uh, they'll do good work and, and be nice people and everything else, which is the total flip side to what's typically seen in that space where it's like people are inherently bad. We need to manage them like crazy. We can't let them do anything. Uh, it's all very strict, uh, that kind of thing. So that was the job that I was doing before. Definitely thinkers. That's cool. Definitely. Very, very kind of flexible and progressive. And I, I loved all of my time there. Uh, it was not remote base, which is what I really wanted to be doing. Um, so yeah, what is yeah, remote base? It's great. I was only asking also because I feel like there's still a bit of a kind of stereotype around there's only certain type of job that you can do 
that's remote friendly, as you put it. I really like that term now, but I feel that's why I wanted to ask because I, I feel like there's a misconception still that you can only do one type of job at all. So that's really awesome stuff to know for people who might be curious and actually in the financial sector themselves. So that's why I just want to ask. But yeah, tell us about remote base. How did it begin? Yeah, uh, tell you about remote base. What is remote base? Remote base is my mission. I feel it's my mission personally and professionally. And the mission is to basically help other people uh, start or continue on their their own personal remote work and travel journey. We do that by essentially curating lots of top long stay accommodation offers. So these are the kind of accommodations which are perfect for the digital nomad, the traveling remote worker, the workationer. Essentially, you know, that means like they all have Wi-Fi, they all have washing machines, they have desks, they have kitchens, actual functional usable kitchens, and they're in locations which are like appealing to this demographic, this this group of people, um, this, this community. All of the stuff that we share is available for a one month booking or more. Some, you know, some of them are like two months or three months. And these are like, it's important, right? Because these are slightly different to the weekend getaways or like the one week apartment stays that you might find if you're going for a holiday or a short, literally a short stay. Some of these don't have washing machines or desks, you know, like it's really easy to find. uh, I'm trying to think of examples like Budapest. You can find apartments in Budapest where like they're listed as they have a kitchen, but like really they've got like a kettle and a microwave. And it's because they're built for they're built for people to come and visit the city for a weekend. The people who manage the property just expect like, hey, people are going to eat out. They're on holiday. Like they're not going to do anything here. Um, but actually, if you're traveling long, longer term, you have those days where you want to like log off and just like sit in front of Netflix or, you know, you've got chores to do. You need to wash your clothes. Like these, these things need to happen. So yeah, we, that's what we do. We find all of those. And how we share them is we, we wrap them all up and we share them with our members in a free email newsletter. So we come into your inbox twice a month, uh, once on the second of the month and once on the 18th of the month. And we're there to basically share these deals with you. Uh, so they're from all over the world. And they all meet our criteria. Uh, and they have like different price ranges and different sizes. So like some people only really need a studio or a one bed. And other people need a three bed or a two, a two bed. So we try to get the full spectrum and, and share things which are going to be appealing to to somebody in in the group uh, everywhere that's it that's what we do the the mission is to is to share amazing accommodation the next question is always like well how do you monetize it if it's free um I so mean, we, i wasn't going to say anything but i'm sure people might be curious i think you also put it to the website if people want to go check that out too but feel free to let us know <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, you can sign up to this, I'm sure we'll do like show notes and, and leave links there. But if you want to, if you're listening and you're really keen and want to go go there first thing right now, uh, you can just go to remotebase.co and that's where you can find us. All we ask for is your email address. So we're not in the business of asking you like for all of your personal information. We don't need your first name, last name, address. Like what was the name of your first dog? We don't need all of this stuff. Uh, it's just an email address and then we're going to share really cool accommodation with you yeah monetization is always the question and people tend to assume like okay you're going to monetize with commissions and you're going to share loads of accommodation which is really high commission for you and maybe not even that good accommodation but i can happily report we don't do that Uh, we don't earn commissions for bookings we actually monetize with with sponsorship on the free newsletter so there's just some ads on that it's like remote based together with 
whoever, whatever brand it is. This is really important to me because it means that we can remain independent. We're not going to be in the business of sharing the things that earn us the most money. We're going to be in the business of sharing the things that actually good for you and are actually places that you will want to stay in and, and will enjoy staying in. So yeah, that, that was important for me. And it all kind of comes together to make sure that remote base is the independent voice of authority for digital nomad accommodation. So you can, tr- you can base, it's about trust for me. Um, and we have like nearly 3000 members and it's really important to me that everybody who becomes a remote base member knows that they can trust remote base. And I, I've been living this way for nearly six years. And so I, I kind of know what, what looks good and what looks bad. And so it's just about being able to share that with the group and share that with share that with all of our members. And there's no there's no harm in getting your coin while you do that as well. Like I think there's a big stigma around like you know, just because something I think just having that kind of sponsorship element is great. That's awesome that you're able to actually work brands also to bring the best deals possible to people. So that's what I was going to add on that. Like you get your coin. <laughs> Great. You're doing the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, awesome. And it's, it's hard. Like it's, it's not easy work. You know, sometimes this, this is not it's always fun. easy. Um, and, you know, brands are like, what I've found is brands want to get in front of this audience, but it's a difficult audience to get in front of because if you're, let's say all of the, tra- like all of the traditional targeting, right? Like it's quite difficult because if you're somebody who's moved around across four countries in the space of four months like targeting becomes quite quite difficult across you know lots of traditional digital platforms so yeah being able to just like directly insert your your brand in front of this audience is is useful for them yeah and the other probably the you know the only other thing to add on the monetization is there is a premium membership so some people choose to to upgrade and they go to that and essentially that lets you choose your preferences so you know if you are somebody who is only interested in traveling in Europe and you need a minimum of two bedrooms and you really like staying in cities, then these are the kind of preferences that you can share with us when you upgrade to a premium membership. And essentially what we do there is, you know, you still get the two free emails once a month, uh, twice a month, but you also get like loaded with all of the deals that we find that match your, your preferences. So these come like as alerts whenever we find them, they get shared immediately with you. So it gives you loads of time to kind of, you just see more stuff and it gives you the opportunity to book stuff, you know, as it's found, like when it's still like a, a hot deal, you know, it's, it's fresh. So that there's less opportunity or less chance for you kind of missing out on some of those deals. And I don't know, let's, we, we didn't talk about this before, but let's throw like a, a discount code or something in the show notes. And if people want to upgrade and, and want to come, come join the, the super savers, on the remote base premium membership, then uh, I'm sure we can help help out some listeners. We love a surprise. This is going to be a great little like social media post that, hey guys, listen to the podcast for a little secret. <laughs> <laughs> little surprise. Awesome. Well, you touched on something actually very interesting. I do hear these stories as well. I don't know if it's just me, but I do hear that people have had the exact same experience, but they've heard that like the accommodation is going to have like a kitchen, for example, and actually it's just been a kettle or it has just been a sink with like a tea towel, like un- you know, drawn across it. I suppose what you're doing is trying to provide some ease, right, with these accommodations. You're trying to provide some kind of security in these bookings. Who would you say, like, especially for the first time nomads, how do you help them out? And like, what does remote base do for those kind of like people? Yeah, so this is a really good question. I think so. The people that we're 
the people that we're really trying to help out, and I think the people who get the most out of remote base are the people who are traveling slightly longer term uh, mm -hmm. or, or the digital slow mad, somebody who's staying for one month or more. If you are moving really quickly and, and bouncing between between places every, if you're moving destinations every week or every two weeks, then you're probably going to do a lot more eating out and, uh, you know, you're probably not going to unpack and you're probably not going to settle as much. But really the, the offers that we surface and the offers that we share with remote-based members are more for, yeah, the kind of one month or more digital slow mad, slow traveler, mm -hmm. people who want to kind of really experience a place and not settle there because that, you know, that, that has other connotations and it's the other end of the spectrum. But like, you want to feel like you've really been there. That's who we're sharing these with. The kind of people who are going to cook a meal in the place where they visit. So, you know, that's going to involve going to a supermarket. <laughs> um, that's going to involve involve things like this. And it's going to make you feel like you you have, I guess, a slightly closer connection to the place or like what real life in the place looks like, not the kind of tourist visit. Yeah, that, that's really who, who we aim to, to help. And so the, the first time nomad, there was another question there about like the first timers, was it? So I was going to add on to that as well. You mentioned people who are obviously more slow traveling, but I was going to ask, do you find you have more a specific avatar of people who work? I'm just curious because I'm seeing a lot of, for example, the rise of digital nomad families and things like that at the moment. Do you find that you tend to work more with individuals or with families just out of general curiosity? Yeah, so we survey the audience and this helps us understand like who people are and what what really what accommodation they're looking for. So that's probably the other thing to say, you know, like a very cheeky plug. Like if you subscribe, like do the survey. It takes four minutes and 16 seconds. Like and that, that was a that was a timing test that I did because I wanted to know how much time I was asking from people. So yeah, it'll take you four minutes and 16 seconds. And what we get from that is loads of information about where you're going, where you where you have been and where you want to go. You know, are you traveling as a as a single person, as a couple, as a family, all of these these things. And what I can say is I think most people on the list are traveling as a couple. And then we have single people on it too, but we also have families. So so we still have to cater for the whole spectrum. But like there's a lot of couples. And I think one thing that that does is it it helps you basically helps you up your budget a little bit um, without really needing a significant amount more space. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, kind of levers there that can be pulled when finding accommodation. The other there's a question about families. I don't know. I think we'll see, we might see more of this into the future. I think there's probably a lot of people out there who do this. I don't think it's like critical mass yet. I don't think it's like, for example, I don't think there's as many families as there are couples. And so that like a lot of the stuff that we see in, in the industry is still geared toward like the majority of the market. I mean, it's good, right? It means that all of the people who are in the majority get really good, uh, really good offers because everything's kind of positioned that way. But it also means that the families that, that are doing this in the space, like the providers that are geared towards families, like it's still niche. It's still, I don't think it's still mass market or uh, majority of the market. So yeah, they're just, they're able to, I feel like they're probably able to have really good businesses because the, the customer, they, if they can get in front of the customer, there isn't very many options for that customer and, and it's going to be very highly geared towards them. Yeah, I think it, I was just curious. I feel like I'm hearing a lot about it and I feel like it's starting to come out a little bit more. But that, that's interesting. It's just good to know that in general, we just seem to know like who tends to be more like the people that you hear about. 
Mm. I was going to ask though, you're talking about like what people were searching for. Is there anything, do you, are you able to find out like what people are largely searching for when they're looking for accommodation? Like what's one thing that they have to have, like whether it's a kitchen or like something, a pool? Yeah, so we don't ask this in uh, in terms okay. of preference, not on the survey anyway, because people are like, I don't know, people are people. People are humans. Everyone's like got their own quirky preference. Like I have this weird, for me personally, I have this weird thing where I don't like round tables. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know, right? Like, it's, it's, oh I didn't God. know that this came up in conversation and I was like, oh no, if we can possibly stay there, you know, it's got a round table. And then people are like, wait, what? <laughs> but I don't, I don't like round tables. I like, if I'm going to work at a table, like a desk, Right. Like I want it to be like a desk. I want it to have straight edges because round, I don't know if it's round. I can't like I can't get onto the table properly for work. So <laughs> so this is like a really weird thing that I have. Like I have said I have not booked apartments which are like on paper perfect <laughs> because I don't like the furniture. Okay. So this okay. is a weird one for me. But like I don't know. You know I'm sure that other people. This is my example, right? Like I'm highlighting the, the ridiculous examples that I have. I was maybe just up the again, like, okay, what's my weird? Like, <laughs> I was like, do I have any? <laughs> what do I put in the Maybe field? you don't. I don't know. Another thing that I realize is like this lifestyle is already something that I think like is a huge privilege. Like not everybody gets to do this. I sometimes feel that's a really terrible kind of attitude to have. Like just shut up and take the round table. But yeah, it's just my little quirk. And I'm sure that, you know, people will have their own individual quirks or like some people yeah. will want a pool, fine. And like other people will want square tables. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, what, do I have a weird quirk? But like, I feel like I'm really boring by comparison now. I'm like, I'm comfortable. Like, as long as it's like within distance of a town or whatever. Yeah, that's really funny. I would love to know though, if anyone has any weird, like, or not even weird, just any like, it's not even weird. Any specifications like fair enough you need a desk that is suited to your needs like that is okay as someone who works like from wherever it'd be like it would be the same if someone was in an office you know that someone's got to have an ergonomic chair that's like fit at certain requirements you don't like round tables okay cool (laughs) (laughs) forever going to be remembered as the guy that doesn't like round tables now no it's great (laughs) yeah i think that you touched on one which is being near like near a town or a city and i think the that's i think a big one because as people who travel a lot you know it's likely that we don't have vehicles um and you know a vehicle becomes another expense if you do decide to to rent something or even buy something and then sell it Mm. yeah that's a big one unless you're going to go to somewhere which is relatively remote or like semi-rural and then just basically stay there for the entire time some people love that you know they just want to like be in the mountain with nothing else around get a bunch of like groceries delivered and just stay there cool but for a lot of people, you know, they need to accessibility. So whether that's like, it's possible to reach via public transport or there's some kind of public transport infrastructure in the area. Yeah, I think that's probably a big one. What's your preference? Do you normally go for more of the like city type or the beach type? Like what's your go-to preference? I really like to have, so I have this thing, this like, this perfect three, which is like, if a place has beach access or like access to water, a city, but not too, like, I don't really, I'm not really into like the mega city thing or, you know, like the like Bangkok, Tokyo, like the huge, huge, huge cities. That's not really for me, but I quite like there to be a small city or a big town, but that it's still, I, I like it to be walkable. I don't mm. like to need to get transport. 
in the city. And then the final thing is mountains or nature. Like if I can get those, and it's really, I've, I've been doing this for six years. I've only found a couple of these places that kind of meet all of these criteria. In fact, I've only really found, ah, there's like two. I think there's two that I really like, but I'm making trade-offs in all, all of the places. I'm not, I'm yet to find the place that has all of these three things. Okay. So if you know about these places, then yeah, eat, like come and find me and share share these magical destinations with me because I would love to know them. Have you been to Split? No, I've not been to Croatia at all, actually. It's, it's on the list for 2023. Try Split okay. in Croatia. Uh, part of me is saying that, no, we don't need any more nomads there. Sorry, Split, but give it a whirl. I, especially in low season, found a place that was a three-minute walk from the beach, 10-minute walk from the old town, and then just a drive out from the mountains. Yeah, okay, that's very interesting. So, like, the the whole, like, Balkan region is, this is basically, like, my adventure itinerary for, for 2023. Like, I, I need to explore the Balkan countries because I've not been to any Balkan countries. Zero. So, yeah, I've been to a lot of places, but I've never been there. And I feel like it might be hiding some gems, as you say. So, that's going to be one to check out, for sure. I'm feeling very positive now after, after this mention. Yeah, that was literally me until literally a year ago. I had basically never been to, pretty, I think Italy was the first. No, no, Poland and Italy were probably the closest I had and Greece. But I'd never been to the Balkans. And then I ended up pretty much spending most of my 2022 going back and forth from there. So <laughs> you've got the community. I mean, this is just me plugging now, but and it kind of helps that I've done some work there. But no, definitely put Croatia. Like, I mean, obviously Albania is up and coming now. Um, yeah. Bosnia is definitely one I think you should check out as well. Slovenia, give them a well. It's great. It's like you can. It's like you can just see my diary. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a great time no matter what. And again, like as we talked about before, this community is so small. So you're gonna get there and be like, I know so and so. Like, yeah, great community there already too. But that's so good. Just, okay, cool. just going back to like kind of first timers and nomads and like, yes. people you're probably looking for. So we get a little bit sidetracked. This is like a side conversation. This always happens. Like you've got to go here. What would your advice be for somebody who is looking for accommodation for the first time? Aside from get remote base. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, (laughs) like, comment, subscribe, all of that stuff. Yeah, I think, I don't know, we talked a little bit earlier about kind of the differences between vacations and remote work searches. I think it's really important to like hammer some of this stuff home because you will just find, I don't know, I think, part of this is like you just have to do it and like you'll learn like when you land in the first place you'll know you'll be like okay we did good or or you'll be like ah i wish we were a bit closer to this thing or whatever but be aware of some of those going into the search not just in terms of amenities and like wanting to have a a kitchen and things like this but like look at the location when you're on holiday you know you want to be in it or most people most people want to be like right in the place where they don't have to go anywhere or do any, like, they don't want to have to travel to get to the old town, for example. They want to be in it. Whereas I think for for the remote worker, you know, you, it's okay to be like a 15-minute walk out of the old town because you're going to be working in the day. You're probably going to be doing stuff online and you kind of want to keep it at arm's length as to don't want to be too much of a distraction. You just want to, you can go there in, into the evening or at the weekend, cool, but you don't necessarily need to be right in it. That would be one thing I talked about. I also talked about the table thing. So consider workspace, you know, maybe 
either look for a, look for somewhere that's near to near to a place where you can work, so co-working space or, or like laptop friendly cafes, or look for a place that has like a at least a desk, like at least a desk, ideally a desk in a room with a door that you can shut stuff off. Again, that's maybe like some of my own personal preference coming through there. Like other people can, I don't advise it, but some people can be super productive on the sofa. Like power to you if you can do that. I cannot. <laughs> and favorite things. yeah, I don't know. I think like other stuff outside of accommodation, probably the advice is like more broadly, like you need to kind of know yourself before you do this. You need to know what's going on. That's such a good, I really, I honestly 100% agree. I was trying to find, like, figure out a way of fitting that in because that is absolutely one of the things that I say to people is that you've got to know yourself and like even down to why you want to go remote, like why do you want to become a remote worker so that you can spend time, more time on the beach. And like I hear so often like, oh, I read the four hour work week and now I want to be a digital nomad. You've got to figure out your reasons for why did you want to Sorry, you didn't read that book. Did I just offend you there? No, no. It's like, uh, I have, I have uh, but I want, you know, it's not like, uh, yeah, the other one that I hear all the time that is like, I sold all my stuff. So, okay, okay, now what? <laughs> like, I sold all my yeah. stuff and now I'm going to, now I'm going to be a digital nomad. There's more to it than that, you know, and you have to, like you yeah. say, you have to know like why you've done these things and what you're going to get out of it or what you want, want to get out of it. I'm yeah. Out that you want to, what you're trying to get from life and then how you work for example I know for myself I couldn't spend five I've talked about this before but I could never spend I did one year in a corporate environment working five days a week in the same looking at the same four walls and that was the worst year of my life quite frankly whereas being able to switch up my environment whether it's working from around or a square desk or from working on the sofa it's very very different and it's just being able to understand I think it's there's so much importance in being able to figure out who you are as a person and what it is you need from life, not even necessarily from the digital nomad life. What do you need from life? And when yeah. that is said, working from Airbnbs, making sure that or you're going to co-working spaces, being able to travel. I think that's all very, really great advice. And I'm so glad like someone else has said it too. Yeah. But I think the other thing to add there is right, it's like maybe you don't know the answer to these things, and that's mm. also okay but you need to kind of be aware that you don't know. You need to know that you don't know the answer rather than going into it blind because at least then that is also a, a starting point for awareness of that of that whole thing. It's like, okay, well, I actually don't know the answer. Like, let's figure it out. Or like, how will I figure it out? And there's excitement in that too, for sure. I think that's also it. It's being able to find that, let's switch that mindset from like, okay, this is how things were before to proactive, right? I'm going to figure it out as I like go along as well. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. Awesome. Yeah, so that's that's all really awesome advice. I'm really glad that like someone else brought up about like trying to get to know yourself as well as part of the as part of the digital nomad kind of journey, if you will, because I feel like it's just too many people hop into this life, kind of fall like kind of get a bit scrambled and don't quite know how to figure their way out of it. So that's really great advice. Just more out of curiosity, kind of going a little bit of a weird direction now, but What's one destination? Just one. You kind of touched the bell two earlier. What's one destination that either you would highly recommend or for the first timer, digital nomad, should check out? I am going to say Porto, Portugal. Oh, okay. How come? I really like it. <laughs> I really like it there. It's got it's got a lot of the stuff that I it's got a lot of stuff that I, that I look for, and I think for a first timer, 
yeah, I think it can check a lot of like the first time comfortability boxes. So this is like, it's a big enough city for you to be able to do everything. Like there's lots of stuff to do and there's enough stuff to kind of never really get bored. It's a big enough city that it feels huge, but you can walk all of it. So I know like that for me, that's important, right? You, there's all, always public transport options, but there you can kind of walk the entire thing as long as you don't mind some hills. Um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's there's beach access. So the beach is like, if you walk it, you can walk from the city out to the coast. And it it's like a scenic walk along the river. It's all very beautiful. And it takes about an hour. So it's, you know, like, that's a good walk, right? Like, but it's possible. Uh, if you want to take a car or a cab, whatever, then you can do that too. And it's really quick. But yeah, this, it has the city kind of element. There's lots of things to do. And it's also got it's also got the beach. It doesn't have the mountains, which make up the the three, you know, the perfect the perfect destination. Um, but it is what it has got. It's got to a very very high level of quality. Like the beaches, they're really nice. The people are amazing. So if you we you know we're both from the UK. Obviously, we both speak English. I know you dabble in some other languages as well. Um, so maybe you can even exercise some Portuguese out there. But yeah, if if you're somebody who speaks English, Portugal's is fantastic. I think it's one of the highest, like one of the highest proportions of English speakers, English speakers outside of English speaking countries. And so you can get by really easily with English language. The cost of living is relatively low. This is something which this is a point of contention, actually, I think with Portugal, because it's gone up a lot in the last few years. It's a place that I'd visited several times and like over the going back year on year. You get to see the the increase in, in in prices of things, and again, going back year on year, like I have, I've made friends with people who are, are Portuguese, who who are who are local to, to to these areas, and and it's one thing for for us to complain and be like, oh, you know, it's really expensive now, but like for a local person, that's amplified, right? Because they don't have the overseas income or uh, like foreign spending power, um, and so there's that aspect of it, but. I think that you can do it sensibly. You can go still go to these places sensibly. And Porto is a great place. So I yeah, really good food, relatively cheap, even though it's becoming more and more expensive. Accessibility to the beach. If the weather is quite good. It's like a lot of people think of Portugal and they think of Lisbon, or mm-hmm. they probably go Lisbon and then the Algarve. Yeah. I think that's like the two popular, popular spots. And so Porto being in the north, the weather isn't as good, but it's not terrible. It's still pretty good, especially if you go in like shoulder season, April to you know, April to June or like the other side, September, October time. You'll have good enough weather to to be able to enjoy and maybe not have some of like the crowded kind of tourist rush. Yeah. I think also I'm having been there myself. There's also Selena, there's co-working spaces, there are cafes, like there was already a bit of a community there as well. So and it's a it's a weird one. I think we're trying to as a general industry and community now figure out is how do digital nomads and remote lifers co- go to a place without having an impact on the general lifestyle and doing things I suppose it's about figuring out this is obviously not necessarily for the first time it's a figure out but how do you go to a place and not kind of contribute to yeah the increase in like, accommodation the like the increase in just general cost of living overall and I think that's definitely going to be an interesting conversation that we're going to have to be dealing with. Yeah, at the moment, whether it's going in off season, whether that's going, you know, just looking around for your accommodation deals, 
looking at remote pace, for example, that is doing ways that are just interacting with the community better. Because I know it's not just Portugal that's having this struggle. And I know for myself, I would probably say that, yeah, Portugal and probably Spain as well are actually really great places for the first timer in general, because again, they already are used to having a high population of people who speak English in one way or another. So how does that then, I suppose that's, do you have any thoughts on this or like, yeah. I have thoughts on, are we still talking about Sorry, do you want me to rephrase that destinations? Again? Yeah, are we talking about destinations or are we talking about like housing crisis caused by digital nomads? <laughs> I guess from my perspective, as somebody who is obviously very much in the accommodation side of things when it for digital nomads and remote lifers, how do you go about doing your search and what would your advice be for people when they're looking, maybe when they're looking for accommodation or like how do you yourself make sure that you are offering the best deals also for locals as well as digital nomads as well? How do you find that balance, both maybe for yourself and or remote base? Yeah, so the balance, like one thing that we always consider in terms of pricing is like what the price is compared to the average price for a place or in a place. And so it's always a good reading of like, I can find a deal for a remote base and it might be like 70% off. And it's like, well, that's, a, that's an amazing deal as long as it's not been priced like excessively highly. Like it's not, as long as the, the initial like ticket price isn't excessive and then they just kind of like reduce it to make it look like it's a deal. But actually, you know, it's actually, it's not really a deal. It's just looks like a deal. And that, yeah. that's what draws you in. So you can look at that and you can look at like the average, you know, there's some tools that you can use that let you see things that Airbnb doesn't let you see. So you can see what the average price for an X bed listing is in a given city. And you can see what the full, like when you make a search on Airbnb, Airbnb shows you what's available. It doesn't show you all the stuff that's not available. So there are other tools you can use where you can, you can look at, you can get, you can get into like several layers of the data if, you, if you're really into it. Most people are not going to need to do that. Like that's uh, that's something that we do because because of the product that we offer. But um, you can look at like what the what is the word? I'm going to remember the word the minute we end this call. <laughs> is um, it the amount of people in the area who travel to? No. So this is like a there's tools that you can use where they will show you like they'll show you the data for all of the properties, not just the properties that are available. And so oh, this yeah. lets this lets you do a bit of a comparison right in terms of when you're looking at a price you can see or yeah we get to see like okay here's this really good deal that's the best deal that's available right now but actually for the whole you know for that just means that all of the really good deals are taken maybe this property isn't a fantastic deal it's just that that's all that's available right now and arguably you know you can go into like you can go into the economics of it and be like well if that's the best deal that's available right now then that's the best deal that's available but i have to kind of the one side of me looks at this as somebody who is location independent and can go anywhere anytime. And that makes me just want to say, well, maybe I'll pause on this particular place right now and I'll come back when I can get the deal that I really want because this is just like the flexibility of of the lifestyle that we have. So yeah, there's there's lots of tools that we can do and we can compare we can compare several data points for that. Um, cool. Yeah, in terms of like me personally. What do I look for for a good deal? I mean, all of the stuff that we share on Remote Base is minimum 30% discount. Yeah. So there's like, that's the absolute minimum. There are occasions where because of availability, we'll share something that is that is lower, like 25%. But really, mm-hmm. we, we never steer 
lower than this. So we we kind of we're tracking somewhere between like 30% off and 80% off. <laughs> and if you're a premium member, you can even get like you can get really excessive deals or like glitch pricing deals and things like that. We're tracking a widespread. <clears throat> and I don't know the the things that we look for. That was the question, right? What do we look for? Yeah, it's more just. Is there anything that you specifically look for, like, or do you work with locals? Do you work with companies? And obviously, you mentioned you work with brands. Like, is there do you work with people who like, yeah. to make sure that obviously that we're that it's kind of more like an integration progress uh, process? Sorry. Yeah. So we, we're quite lucky. I think we're quite lucky. I still think that remote base is like a relatively small community, but we already have like we already have had in the past like boutique property owners or, or property managers will, like will reach out to us and say like hey really interested in getting our stuff listed with you like how do we do that so we also offer that we offer like a i do this kind of like vetting process with them to see if they're really up to it um if, if their properties really are what they say they are and then if they are there's there's a we have like these featured properties where properties can be be featured on the newsletter additionally to everything else that we share and there's often some negotiation there, like on behalf of the remote base community uh, for price. So we can we can offer exclusive prices and things like that. But that is a I consider that to be probably one of the first steps that we can do in terms of kind of integration and bringing kind of bringing the two worlds together. Because there's clearly business owners out there in these places managing mm-hmm. properties or manage you know any business really who understand the value of 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 the nomad community being there. Yeah, so we do a little bit of that. Well, probably an, another thing that I like to do is I like to make a note of and consider the kind of host for a property. So some hosts are, you know, individual individual Airbnb hosts. And if you're an individual host, maybe your property is your livelihood. And so we don't really want to mess with that. We want you to be able to have consistent income. We don't want digital nomads to kind of screw hosts down to like the the bare minimum price and like basically take food out of people's mouths. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got these hosts who are uh, either property management companies or like acting as individuals. So like single people, but with huge property portfolios or they're, man- they're maybe they're managing their own properties. Maybe they're managing properties for other people. And it's just this huge kind of web of listings and them having to negotiate down on a price to make it something that is kind of mutually beneficial where the digital nomad or the traveling remote worker gets a really good deal, but they also don't have food taken out of their mouth. Like that's a really good place uh, in terms of kind of mutual benefit, right? Like that's a place where people can agree, kind of agree to agree to negotiate and agree to have a, a price that, that isn't absurd on either end of the spectrum. Because I like, I've seen, I've seen conversations and I've seen like screenshots of things. They get like floated around in the community a lot in like Facebook groups or on Reddit or anywhere else, right? Where it's like, I can't believe that I'm being asked to pay this much money for this place. And then you have to kind of step back and go, well, you know, that's that's somebody's job. You know, you're kind of taking taking income away from a family if you want to like drill them down to, you know, a tenth of that price. But the other way around is like, no, okay, like this is a this is a hotel company and uh, they have properties all around the world. Like you should absolutely negotiate on price with these guys and you should try to get the best deal possible for you because they're really not going to feel it at the end of the day. Mm. So that's another thing I think that people, everyone, not just first timers, but like anybody living this lifestyle, like be cognizant of that and like 
try to consider that as part of your negotiation tactic if you have one because you will if you're aware of that and you can kind of enter the conversation with this in mind you're probably going to come out slightly better than if you did than if you don't you can see where the mission-led part of remote base is coming out when you talk about it you can see where like obviously (laughs) you've had some experience doing this that's really cool Do you have any predictions for 2023 in general when it comes to digital nomad life? Like this doesn't have to be accommodation necessarily, but do you have any kind of things or like trends that you're seeing more and more of yourself? Yes. Yes and no. I'm always really conscious about questions like this because I think that we exist in like, we exist in these echo chambers online mm-hmm. where like everything that I see is probably because of the last thing that I saw. And I don't know, I don't know how much of it is I don't know how much of the information that I get served is like objective, but I think maybe over, I think if we look back at the last few years with the pandemic and everything else, I wonder if 2023 could be the year where like, finally we settle a little bit into remote first or hybrid working where like, I think there's, to be honest, I still think there's some more like divisiveness to come with Mm -hmm. office and remote and like people, you know, companies want to get people back People don't really know what they want. They want to be sociable with their colleagues, but they want to work remotely and no one really knows what they, no one knows what they truly want. And no one wants to kind of plant a flag in the ground and say like, this is the thing that I want. So I think there's a lot more divisiveness to come there. But ultimately, I think I'm hoping that like 2023 will be the year where some of these ideas finally mature and like people come to understand if they make this choice, like it's not the choice forever and they can still do both. Like they can, they can have an office or you know they can they can go to an office for nine months of the year and then they could travel for three months of the year if they want. Like I don't know. I think I'm hoping this is not a prediction. This is more of like a wish. <laughs> um, I wish for 2023 to be the year where people find find that they find what works for them uh, and they're able to kind of pursue it. In terms of with accommodation, I think I think we'll see a lot more. 2022 I think was the year of co-living for accommodation. Okay. Like co-living exploded. And there was, yeah, there's like nuts numbers being delivered in terms of statistics on like new places and bookings, and everything else. I think 2023, we're going to see more serious players in the home swap space because there's house sitting, which is like existed for years and has been really popular in certain communities, uh, even for like backpackers or like gap year people. I think as now, like as we see more volume in the number of people who like had traditional lifestyles where they, you know, they, they had their home already and then they wanted to venture into traveling more like that then leaves them with a home with, and, you know, something they should, maybe they should do something with that. So I think maybe we'll see more in terms of the home swap space because the, I think the numbers are just going to get to the point where actually that model is feasible, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting year for sure. And I'm pretty sure I'll look back at this conversation in 12 months time and be like, Nope, totally wrong. Actually, you know, booking.com just did another thing. And now, I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? I know. I think this is why I'm so curious because it could go, I think, especially while it's such a, we were talking about this before on the podcast, that the industry itself right now is actually pretty small, relatively small. I think we're all seeing, whether it's an echo chamber or not, I think we are all seeing a lot of the same stuff. So I do completely agree that we're still going to, I think still figuring things out a little bit when it comes to remote work and remote life. But yeah, I would 100% agree that like even even down to even people don't want to necessarily go remote, 
they're just figuring out is it what they want they've had two years of the pandemic potentially to figure out is this something that I really want so even that in itself makes total sense to me so how that then pans out in 12 months I'm I'm curious I'm generally curious yeah it's going to be an interesting year I think um let's let's see I'm going to make a note to link back up with you in in 12 months time and, and we can have a little we can have a little chat about who who was right, who was wrong. Who, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who managed to get this? Uh, who managed to get this stuff nailed down? Yeah. I think definitely that office space is gonna. I think there's gonna be a definite change in how office space is utilized. I think for sure. And I will be very curious. I think, especially for yourself in the space right now with accommodation, I think you're gonna have a very interesting year in how like that is utilized and how that is monetized and not just necessarily in the UK, but how that would be, how that could change or alter slightly as more and more people start doing things like workations, doing things like remote working or taking like a month out potentially to go travel. So I think, I think for yourself, especially you're in a very interesting space right now, definitely. So I'm intrigued for you for the next 12 months as well. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks. I'll, I, I think so too. I just can't wait to kind of see. Is it what's interesting for me is like this used to be a, like a project. Remote base was always just like a, a project that I did kind of for fun on top of. I kind of did remote base to get away from the day job. It was like my way of uh, hanging out and, and doing fun stuff. And now it is the day job. Like now it is what I get to do. And so there's so much like so much fun for me involved in being across all of this stuff and yeah, being able to kind of deliver that to the remote base community is something that brings me so much joy like there's it's always amazing when we share a bunch of deals and then i get an email back and it's like hey i've just booked this thing and yeah like that that's amazing so i'm hoping that no matter what happens over the next 12 months i'm sure lots of fun stuff will happen but no matter what happens i just like i'm going to be dedicated to just continuing to deliver yeah. all of the top long stay accommodation uh, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can you know remote base can be a part of other people's journey, um, whether or not they're starting out or whether or not they've been at it for for years already. Yeah, that's the mission, right? Help people start or continue this lifestyle. Exciting. Okay, one final thing from me. Fill in the blank. Home is where? Home is where my people are. I think like this is a question, right? Where, and anybody, you've you've been doing this for long enough, right? So you probably get it where people say to you like, oh, like, where's your favorite place? Like where's the where's the best place? And it's such a nice question, asked with such like wholesome intention. <laughs> but I think that it's never really it's never really about that. Like a lot of the times, the experience that we have in a place is based on the people that are there and the people that kind of share that place with us. So yeah, I mean, and, and we talked about this earlier, right? Like how small the industry is, and some mm-hmm. of the same people that we know that we met in places. So yeah, like it's for me, it's just about where where the people are. And those people change based on, you know, I know that I can go to certain places and see certain people. And that's amazing. I think that's really nice. And what is also super enjoyable is when you meet somebody in one place and then you build a a relationship with them, a friendship with a person, and then you see them again in a completely separate place. But there's like, it kind of almost like enhances that that place for you. So home necessarily, I don't think is is a particular uh, place. It's like where where you find your people. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think more and more people are also saying the same. Home is where it came from the concept of, yeah, for myself, it's not 
necessarily where I put my laptop down. It's how I stay connected. So as long as I've always got a connection, I feel home. That's where this came from. And I think for myself, definitely over the last couple of years, I felt that more and more with community, with people who are like-minded. And yeah, completely agree that it is absolutely like the best feeling when you're like, okay, I'll see you in the next destination. Like, ah. <laughs> so I completely agree. Chris, thank you so much for appearing on the Remote Life podcast. It's been great to chat. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Chris, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to Remote Base below. And don't forget to use your Remote Life discount next time you visit the site. Thank you so much again for listening. And we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.